Well, good morning. The title of my message this morning is Call Him Jesus. Now, of course, we're headed into this Christmas season and we're well into it, seeing that next Sunday is just the last Sunday before Christmas. And uh, makes us, makes you like, wow, did it really fly by or what? But as I look at the scriptures and I uh, see in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, uh, if you are parents, um, how much effort was placed in naming your child? (laughs) Were there any disagreements (laughs) as to what the name of your child uh, should be? You know, we're going to name after me, are they a name? We're going to name after the father the grandmother, the, the, the great-grandfather, you know, the lineage, and we go on and on. And, of course, um, the, in our family, uh, David was, a, was a, uh, a name for Rhonda and my, and my family both. There was like five or six Davids that were in the house at the same time in some, in some of our family reunions. So some thought it was a bit overused, but I, I always kind of liked the name. I was a little more favorite to it, so that's why we named the David, <laughs> our son named David. But it's interesting how that we come up with names. Um, did you come up with a name and you remembered somebody who had that name and you didn't like them? <laughs> it was almost like, we can't name our child this name because I remember so and so and that was their name and I, I don't want our my son to be like that or my daughter to be like them so no no scrap that name well in our culture it's often um, from the father's name from the father's uh, background and the New Testament scriptures were often based upon who the father was a child was called by someone's son now in our modern times it's kind of came kind of continues that same uh, tradition whenever we have the names of uh, Thompson Johnson Peterson Jackson (laughs) many of those they are the names that were brought into the English uh, language because somebody was the son of Tom or someone was the son of Peter the son or someone was the son of Jack so we see how that the in and our not so recent, in our not so uh, distant past, that these were the names of people and how they came up with who they were. They were Jack's son. Well, sometimes names are chosen because of the child as being um, in a very special capacity in the family. That is often the case in the scriptures in the Bible, when people came uh, and those names came and were chosen with very great care. The Hebrews placed far more meaning on the names that they gave their children than, than most of us do today. So we, there was a time when God was becoming flesh and being conceived in the womb of Mary, and they were in the stable, and this child was born, and we would imagine, okay, what's the name of this child? What are you going to name him? Well, God did not leave the naming of uh, his son, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Son is not created son. That a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are triune God, equal, yet one. 
and Jesus becoming um, a child did not lessen his status as God. And so he, he took his divine status and set it aside, and he became like us, in all points tempted such as we are, yet without sin. So he became the sinless sacrifice for our lives. And so in the naming of Jesus, it was important that the, God says to the angel, when you go down there and you talk to Joseph and Mary, make sure you tell them that his name is Jesus. And so, and she shall bring forth a son, verse, chapter 1, verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So the name of Jesus is a very special, a very peculiar, very specific name that is given to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. By special instructions then, God um, gave the, the, the name that he desired for his son. And uh, while they had traveled to Bethlehem, while the star was shining in the heavens, while the shepherds were watching the sheep, and while the wise men were on their journey to find this child, Mary and Joseph responded that his name is Jesus. Did you know that in the gospel, God in the gospels, God's son Jesus is mentioned over 500 times, and in the New Testament, it is mentioned 909 times. Of all the names and of all the titles that were given to Jesus or to Christ, the most sacred and the most used is Jesus. It's one of those, if we think about some of the hymns, if you go through the hymnal, we don't often sing from the hymnal anymore, but we still have a number of songs maybe that we bring up once in a while. But if you would go back through the hymnals in years ago, we had songs such as, How Sweet is the Name of Jesus, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Jesus, the very thought of you. Take the name of Jesus with you. Oh, how I love Jesus. We have sing choruses. We have choruses that are around the name of Jesus. That there is something very special about the name Jesus. And when we say that name with reverence and awe of our own respect and adoration of God, we find that it is something very sacred to us. But you know, I, I still, uh, well, I'm offended. My heart is grieved. Sometimes when, when, well, when people use the name of Jesus or Jesus Christ in a derogatory manner or a swearing manner in which they are tearing or saying something completely wrong and arrogant and sinful, it's like there is nothing sacred about, you know, we, I mentioned in the Sunday school lesson that wickedness will be punished because of wickedness and the, and, and, and the evil's attack upon that which is sacred. And that, that continual attack upon the sacred will bring God's judgment upon the individuals who are irreverent 
of the name of God and don't appreciate what God has done for them and this very sacred name. I always wondered, why do, why do people use the name of Jesus in such a blasphemous way? Why don't, you use some, why don't they use somebody else's name? You know, why don't they use Peter? Why don't they use John? Why don't they use David? Why don't they, in a blasphemous way, against something? No, they use the name of God. They use the name of Jesus Christ. They don't believe in Jesus, but yet they will use his name in a derogatory re, uh, manner. Why? What makes that name so special in their cursing and in their hatred of God? If you use the name of Jesus in the wrong way, you better change your ways. That's a warning from God. God knew what he was doing when he named his son Jesus because it it means Jehovah saves. You see, whenever people use the name of God in a way of condemning or damning someone, it's the opposite of what God has intended. God's intention through Jesus Christ is God, uh, Jesus saves, God saves, Jehovah saves, the Lord of salvation. You know, and so it's a redemptive process. And so people use the name of God in a derogatory, condemning, as it were, sending people to hell way of using God's name, and it's the complete opposite of who God is. And that is not God's inspiration and God's leading in, in, in people's lives. He is, he is the salvation of the Lord, Jesus. So Jesus is an easy name. It's an easy name to remember. It's an easy name to pronounce. You know, can you imagine if um, in the Bible there's a name called uh, Tiglath Peleser Adonai Bezak or something? To, I don't know how that Bezak goes, but can you imagine if that had been the name chosen by God to name His Son? You know, <laughs> we would have a, a difficult time. I can't even I can't even pronounce His name. Well, the name of God, the name Jesus, is one that we are able to pronounce. It's only two syllables. It's five letters. And it's pronounced the same almost in every language. You know, if you listen to some of the languages and they're, they're singing songs or they're, they're talking, you can almost pick out Jesus in, that, in the phraseology. So Jesus in the New Testament is the same as Joshua in the Old Testament. Now, I used to think of, well, why, was, why did that happen? How did that come about? Well, if you, trans, if you translate the name into all the languages, we'll, we'll go back to Jesus for a moment, the name. If you translate the name of Jesus into all the dialects, whether Hebrew, Greek, or Anglo-Saxon, you cannot rob it of its music, of its peace that the name of Jesus brings to a person's heart and to a person's soul. You can pick Jesus' name out of almost all of those languages. A poet wrote, Jesus, the name high above all, in hell, on earth, and sky, angels and man before it fall, and devils fear and fly. Jesus, oh, the magic of the soft love sound, how it thrills and trembles to creation's bound. God said to the angel, when you go down to Joseph, make sure you tell him. 
His name is Jesus. Children who grow up in a Christian home, a Christian environment, they learn the name of Jesus almost the same at the same time that they learn uh, mama and papa or mama and daddy. So God has given to us a Savior whose name is so simple that even a child can say it and name it and believe it. So God, was, God knew what he was doing when he named his son Jesus. Jehovah saves. Jesus is an esteemed name. This is where we talk about how the, the name of Jesus and Joshua are very similar. According to, to according to Josephus, there are 11 men in the Old Testament that are named Joshua, the Hebrew translation of Jesus. And no parents had ever called their child by that name until Moses. Moses created the name Joshua because Joshua's name was Hoshea and these are the, the names of the men whom Jesus sent into the promised land to spy it out. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Hoshea means salvation. And Jehovah means Lord. So when Moses changed Hoshea's name to Joshua, he gave him the name of redemption. A name that sounds like some sort of a savior. And he was wasn't he? Many Bible scholars consider Joshua of the Old Testament to be a picture of Christ. And if you think about it, Joshua was that type of savior. Joshua led the Israelites out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Jesus, our savior, brings us from the wilderness of sin into a spiritual promised land. In the Old Testament, Joshua led his people to conquer enemies who were protected by walled cities and huge giants. Jesus leads us to conquer our enemies of our soul. He enables us to fight victoriously over the giants and the obstacles of temptations. He gives us the ability to stand off trials and temptations and testings. Our Joshua, our Jesus, leads us to the inheritance that God has for us. It is land, a land of promise. In the scriptures, we are lay, laid out before us the promises of God, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. A promise. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A promise. Our promised land. We have a, an understanding that, I will, that God says to us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, a promised land. We live in this land of promise where God's promises are made real to us every day, that he will be our provider, he will be our sustainer, he will be our strengthener, he will be the one who walks with us and encourages us, he is our friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the one who is our salvation, our redeemer, our companion, our friend. 
So these are promises that God has made. And so our land of promise is not necessarily a geographical place, but our land of promise is one within our hearts. That at the appointed time, Jesus will return. It is the blessed hope of the church that Jesus will return. And so at that time when the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ rise, we shall be caught up to meet him in the air. It is a time of promise. It is real to us in our hearts and lives, but it is a promise that is yet out there in front of us. Jesus. How lovely is his name. How important is his name. You know, um, for many years, I worked, volunteered and worked at the hospital and hospice. And it was always important to me to know that people were safe whenever they were dying or when they died. And it was always something that people who had a faith were looking forward to seeing their families. They were not afraid of dying, they were looking forward to seeing Jesus. They were looking forward to seeing him. And now, this is not an indoctrination. This is not people who were indoctrinated in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures and drummed into their heads that this is what's going to happen. And, you know, I met some of those. And, you know, it was, they were still looking forward to seeing Jesus, but it was more of a, you know, you better do this and you better do that. It was not one of those loving relationships in which Jesus, their friend, they were waiting and expecting to see him. But they died with the name of Jesus on their lips. And it was very comforting to know that they were going home. They weren't being taken from life. They were going to live eternally with Jesus. Jesus is an enduring name. Did you know that even though our Lord Jesus was born in this obscure place, Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago, and he died like a criminal between two thieves on a cross, yet his name is the most well-known name throughout history. His name means more to more people than any other name that has ever, has ever crossed humanity's humanity's horizon. At Christmas, we all observe a kind of irony. You know, a kind of irony. And I think of it in, in, in the irony of those who are you know, most callous towards Christ that will have nothing to do with the birth of Christ, want the nativity, the manger scene and Mary and Joseph and the wise men, they do not want that to be in a, in a public setting that they even fight against churches having it in, 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 front of their, in front of their buildings or on their property. But, but you see them marching along, going to the stores and celebrating his birthday by buying and receiving gifts and they, they, they go to the stores and they buy gifts for one another. And you know, it's almost like, like one person said, if you had somebody you really hated and you were on their birthday list, would you, you know, who really hated you, would, and, and somehow you got an invitation to their birthday party, would you go out and buy them a gift and show up at the party? <laughs> well, you wonder then why 
these individuals who are so vehemently against Christ and his birth and his celebration, they still find a way to give one another gifts and presents at Christmas. Jesus is a name that is an exalted name. Paul, in, the, in, the, in his writing to the, the church at Ephesus, he said in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, and no, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. <laughs> wow. Jesus, the name above all names. You turn over a few more pages to Philippians. You know, in the scriptures, you go to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. He says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, given him that name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wow. <laughs> Whenever we, we were studying the, the book of Revelation and we talked about the different times and the different uh, judgments, we have the, what is called the judgment seat of Christ where all the righteous will stand before God. They're resurrected and stand before God and God will pass out the rewards as, that we have done, things that we have done for Christ. They are the things that were going to last forever. But then, then we move to the end of the book of Revelation and we move to the great white throne judgment and that is where all the wicked dead were, are resurrected and stand before God. And it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those who hate God the most, they're going to be resurrected and stand before God and they will bow a knee to the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they will know, the books will be opened, and we spoke about that in Sunday school and, and on our Wednesday nights of how the books will be opened and people will be judged for what they have done. Not Christians will be, all of our sins, we're, we're in heaven based on the blood of Jesus Christ. And we spoke about this in the sense that um, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. So the, the word scarlet means a white wool uh, pelt double-dipped in scarlet, in, in red. And so that scarlet is dyed into that garment, into that wool. And, and the Bible says that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. That the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ being applied to our lives, washes that garment completely. Of every stain of sin, there is no, there is no lingering stain of that sin in that garment doesn't say the garment is thrown away. It says the garment is washed clean. And that's what Christ does in his forgiveness of us. Jesus is an exclusive name. When the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, he added a qualifying phrase. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. There is no one who can forgive sins but Jesus Christ. No pastor, no priest, no religion, no church, no, they do not, we do not possess the power to forgive sins. 
Only Jesus can forgive sins. And so as we present ourselves to Jesus Christ, he is the one who forgives us. Now, as pastors and so on, if, we, if you confess your sins to Christ, I can tell you you are forgiven, but I didn't forgive you of your sins. Jesus did. You confessed your sins to Christ, and I said, as you confess, he promised that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That is why the name of Jesus is so special. He is our Savior. He is the unique, most unique person in all the universe. His name is above every name. His purpose in coming was to set him apart so that everyone who believes in him will be set apart as his child. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name for sal where salvation can come. Jesus is the only way. When God sent his angel to Joseph, call him Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. So salvation is not in a church. We may hear the message in the church, but it's not in a denomination, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, Baptist, Methodist, assemblies. You know, we may have the message of Christ and present the message of salvation, but salvation is in Jesus Christ. There's another poet. Imagine me reading two poems in, 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 a, in a message. I've never, I don't think I've done that in years. But there is, there is a majesty in the name God. There is personality in the name Jehovah. There is power in the name Lord. There is unction in the name Christ. There is affinity in the name Emmanuel. There is intercession in the name mediator. There is help in the name advocate. But there is salvation in none other name. None other name given on heaven among men, apart from the name of Jesus. An Alexander may build an empire, and Napoleon may change the name of the world, may change the nations of the world. A Newton may bring about an intellectual revelation. An Edison may create a new world for science. A Wyatt may, may usher in a new era of industry. But there is only one who can touch and transform the human heart. And that is the name of Jesus. So perhaps, perhaps you've, you've tried everything else in trying to change your world. Perhaps you've tried self-improvement courses education, support groups. You might even have a little more sophistication and a little different outlook upon life, but to change our heart and our soul, we've got to come to Jesus. You see, there is only one who can change our life, and he changes it from the inside out. He who created us knows 
what our need is. And it is he who fits that special spot in our hearts. You know, Christmas is important, and it's an important family gathering. And, you know, sometimes we think we like or we want special gifts or specific gifts. Can you remember the gift that you needed last year, <laughs> two years ago, ten years ago? The need, that the, the gift that was so special at that moment seemed to be all that I needed. <laughs> if you watch the commercials, you need a car. <laughs> you know, you need a special car. And that car will make you something. If you have that car for 10 years, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to say, what on earth am I, when am I going to get a new one? You know, it just didn't fit. It was there for a moment. But Jesus is one who fits that part, that, that missing space in our hearts that cannot be, cannot be filled by anyone else, cannot be filled by something. It must be filled with someone. And the someone is Jesus, the name that is above all names, the name that was given to that child born in a Bethlehem, born in a stable, whose mother was Mary, and she laid him there, and the angels proclaimed to the shepherds, go to this place, and you will find the Christ child. And you know, when the shepherds came, they wanted to know, where is this one that the angels told us about? And you wonder if the, the angels were singing, you know, we wondered if the, the shepherds ever tried to sing or hum that tune again. <laughs> well, in our lives, sometimes we try to relive something that was years ago. And, and we may have had good things or bad things. You know, that's why Christmas is a very difficult time. Because some of the people who are most important in our life years ago are not with us now. And we miss them. But you know, Jesus is not, let me rephrase that, Christmas is not about, about the people. It's about the person, Jesus Christ. And in all of our Christmas celebrations, Jesus is to be the focal point. He is the most important one that, is, that are, is our celebration. That his birth and his coming to love us and express his love for us, it is the most important person, important gift that we have in our lives because every Christmas of, every celebration of Christmas contains Jesus Christ. And he is present every year. No matter who changes, no matter who comes and goes, no matter what loved ones we miss, Jesus is the constant one. And the people that we love, they are with him. And Jesus is with us. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating not only the birth of Jesus Christ, we are celebrating the eternal life that Jesus Christ has come to give us. How precious is the name of Jesus? Call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Our sins are forgiven. And should Jesus tarry a hundred years from now, maybe our great-grandchildren, maybe great-great-grandchildren, whatever it may be, 
They may never know us, but they will know the Jesus that we serve and that we love. And we will see them in heaven one day. And those who have gone before us, mother, father, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, relatives, those who have gone before us, we will see them too. Because Jesus is the focal point of Christmas. And his name is greater than any other name. You shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for hearing our prayer, for seeing the need of our lives, and Lord, for touching our lives in a very special way this Christmas season. For it is you that we celebrate. It is your forgiveness, your gift of eternal life, that is a present that you bestow upon us. So let us place you first, above all the gifts, the giving and the receiving. May we cherish the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ in our hearts and our lives. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.